Well, may I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, in case you have your Bibles with you, uh, there's two particular texts from this reading this morning that I want to uh, take to uh, anchor our, um, uh, this sermon in, in, in the passages that we've heard. The first one from Mark 9, as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what he had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The second is right towards the end of the passage in Corinthians. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This Sunday, okay, the Sunday before Lent, we find ourselves on the cusp of the season that a few love, truthfully, most struggle with, and that is the season of Lent, with its disciplines of fasting, study, prayer, and giving. Its whole emphasis is on this uh, rather lovely Greek word, metanoia, one of a change of mindset for a specific period of time. It's a time in the Christian year where we stop, take account, and reflect, and then decide to very deliberately move towards the direction of the kingdom of God. It's a time where we acknowledge our temptations. A time where we acknowledge our faults. It's a time when we are conscious of our shortcoming. Then, usually around Mothering Sunday, or Latere Sunday, we make a change in another direction the following week on what's called Passion Sunday, towards Passion Tide. And the emphasis absolutely moves off us onto the person of Jesus and his crucifixion as we focus upon the sacrificial love of God. Finally, we go into what is known as the Holy Week, or the Ceridium, with a focus on Monday Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and finally Easter Sunday. So you might say, what's that all got to do with a cold, wet Sunday in February, where, if truth were told, many of us are battling with uh, seasonally affected um, moods, um, low mood, still trying to pay for Christmas, and the thought of six weeks fasting is probably filling you with about as much excitement as a trip to the dentist, if I'm very honest. So before we head into days like Ash Wednesday, which strangely I do like because I find it quite cathartic, I want us to have another look at this story of the Transfiguration. Because I think the Transfiguration is a very, very helpful interlude in the story of Jesus that actually is more of the reality of our lives than we actually realise. Let me just explain that to you. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of those who are feeling on top of the world right now, that everything in life is going well, and you're just living from mountaintop experience with Jesus to the other where you are in permanent victory over sin, where every day the Bible is speaking to you, and your prayer life is absolutely alive, 
and you're full of hope and the cup is more than half full, it is brimming over. Now I know that that is so far from the reality if we're truthful of our lives most of the time, isn't it? I'm not saying we don't have seasons or periods or moments like that, but the reality of our life is it's not like that. Perhaps you just about made it here today. You dragged yourself out of bed, had a row on the way to church, sat, you're sat here feeling like, God, I made it, and you feel like rubbish, aren't sure if, what, how you believe about God. You're not sure if you feel forgiven, loved, hopeful. You aren't in a dark night of the soul, you're in a dark decade of the soul. Uh, you're here probably because this is what you just do on a Sunday, where even when I don't feel like it. Well, even while this sermon is going on in your head, your heart can be elsewhere because you're wrapped up in your worries. You're doing what I call ecclesiastical scrolling. Okay, if you know what I mean, what scrolling is, that's what you're doing. You're here, you're physically present. Someone's used a wonderful expression, put the screensaver's on. (laughs) That is how we can be sometimes when we come to church, isn't it? (laughs) Well, I'm going to say that's how I can be and I'm taking the service. (laughs) And then you come to church and you hear about an experience like this on the mountaintop. There they are and Jesus appears to them and he's clad in shimmering sunlight and uh, Moses is there and Elijah is there and it feels like a trillion miles away from my life in Normanton on a Monday morning. It feels a long, long way away. Now, this is why I believe we need the Bible. Because although the lectionary has plucked this passage... And it sort of sits in the ether. If you open your Bibles, you will realise that this story sits between Jesus telling his disciples he's going to go to the cross and be crucified. And after he's finished, his story has been told. Jesus goes to his disciples and says, I'm going to be, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise again from the dead. So each side of this mountaintop experience is Jesus actually unloading some fairly negative news on the disciples. In fact, he goes further and says, not only am I going to get crucified, but guess what, guys? You get to get in on the act. You get to get a part of getting crucified as well. Woohoo! You know, just what you want to hear on a February, isn't it? So that's sometimes it's really, that's why it's quite important to put the Bible into its context. And, the, and it's interesting that each of the synoptic Gospels, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, have made sure that this story gets in there. Each of them have put a different twist or turn on it. So Matthew, for example, is making the case that Jesus the Messiah is greater than Moses Elijah. And we've got um, Peter trying to put a local shed up and build an extension in the middle of the story. Um, Mark is linking it to the event of the cross and resurrection. And Luke, again, links it to the passion of Jesus, but absolutely puts an emphasis on the healing of this child who was demonized in the story. So each of, the, each of those three Gospels puts it in there. Now, if you know anything about how you should interpret the Bible, if each of the Gospel writers put something in there, you need to pay attention to it. 
Because it's trying to say something to us then and trying to say something to us now. Christian life has taught me several things. One of which is nothing goes in a straight line. Nothing goes in a straight line. I kind of had this naive idea that when I became a Christian that everything was going to be rosy, that following Jesus was going to be great, I was going to just leap from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience. Well, how many of you have had that experience? None of you, have you? Actually, some of it has been incredibly tough following Jesus. In fact, sometimes it felt far more like picking up your cross and following him, and just a transfiguration would be nice. Now, a lot of life is neutral. The days and seasons tick by, and often life can appear to be stuck in January and February. Just occasionally, this can happen. I got stuck in a rainstorm this week, trying to visit somebody. And as I was walking through Normanton Park, I suddenly noticed the crocuses were up. Somebody inside of me went, Hope. This weather ain't staying like this forever. Rainy days are rainy days. I know sometimes it feels like a rainy month, but what I'm trying to say is it's a temporal situation. And there are moments where you see the crocuses. And there are change, and those when I saw those crocuses. It sent me a message. It tells me spring isn't far away. I want you to hold on to that thought. Because this is what I want us to start to think about transfiguration are. Those moments in life when the hopeful signs of the kingdom of God glimpse through into our lives. Are we living in the fullness of the kingdom of God? No, we're not. Do we see glimpses of the kingdom in the here and now? Well, yes, we do. We see it in answered prayer. We see it in healings. We see it in joy. We see it in moments of love. We see it in time and time and time again. We see the kingdom of God breaking through. It's as if, like when I saw those crocuses, I thought, aha, Easter is on its way. Recently, um, I had a long, in fact... (laughs) The ministry team meeting recently got almost got completely diverted with my latest thinking because I've been thinking an awful lot about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, for many years, I imagined it happening something like this: that the old body of Jesus, the old body of Jesus, the, you know, the Jesus that was incarnated, just came back to life. The thing is, that is resuscitation. It's not resurrection. And I want to say to us, actually, resurrection life is something completely different. And actually, so one, for a long, long time as a Christian, I used to think that his physical growth, his body that he had, just rose through the grave clothes. I'm not sure that that's exactly what I believe now took place. Now listen to me, and then hold those texts about light in your mind that I have been talking about earlier. And what I believe is fact is what is, was actually written in the scriptures. 
For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you mind if I just take us back to Christmas? Every Christmas that you've come to church since you were little. We begin every Christmas with that reading from John 1. In the beginning was God. Okay? And in him was light. And that light was the life of li- light of life. In fact, there would be no life on this earth unless we had light from that star that's, I don't know how many million miles away from us. It takes light for life to exist. Could I have an amen? Okay. It takes light for life to exist. What I want to say to you took place in that tomb was, in those great codes, pure creative life broke out of that tomb, blew the stone away. The power of light, that creative light that right in the beginning of the book of Genesis it said, and God spoke, and the first words that God said was, let there be, hello, light. So why would it not be at the beginning of this new creation moment that a let there be light moment was going to happen? Just like right back at the beginning of the book of Genesis. Just like what John saw on the Isle of Patmos when he talks about at the end of time there will be no night. Only day. There's just light. That same creative light that brought life into being in the beginning will be the light that actually helps us continue forever and ever and ever in the resurrection. Just like in John chapter 1, 21, sorry, when Mary Magdalene beheld Jesus at the beginning, and it was just like this new moment where the light, he was just coming into this new creation, resurrection moment. Just a utter miracle that just as in the first creation, light brought about life, at the resurrection, light brought about a new state of living. And that moment, that moment when Jesus burst out of that tomb was a moment unlike any other in the whole 14 billion year history of the universe. It was a new creation moment that took place. When God said, let there be light, right at the beginning of the creation, 14 billion years ago, something happened 2,000 years ago, in a tomb outside of Jerusalem, a new let there be light moment began to happen. When Christ rose from the dead, this is what happened. Light came on. Light. Light. Now, you're thinking, why is he keeping on about this? Because I think most of us, if we're absolutely truthful, have you ever been to a football match? There's a football chant that's <laughs> not very nice. <laughs> but they would often sing to I'll tell you a thing that make you laugh. Um, alternatives. There's a chap who goes to Alternatives every week, a chap called Vincent. And every time he sees me, he points at me and he goes, Fat. In other words, I'm the fat man who works upstairs. That's what he says. 
I mean, if you go to a football match, very often they'll say to you, they'll, they'll start a song at you, go, who ate all the pies, who ate all the pies, who ate, who ate, you ate, you ate. Now, I'll get distracted. I think very often as Christians, we can say, who ate all the lies, who ate all the lies, who ate, you ate, you ate, you ate. And I think this is the thing. It's sometimes because of the circumstances in which we live, we can swallow the lie that we live in darkness living darkness. But the truth is this, even in the darkness, the light still shines. Even in those real dark days, in those February, grey, wet, miserable Mondays, the light still shines in the darkness. And what I want to say to us is this, this is where the transfiguration comes into play. Because in the middle of February, when you look at the crocuses, you can see the beginning of Easter. Do you hear me? And I want to encourage you today that if you're feeling very February-ish, begin to see the crocuses. Begin to see that Easter is coming. If you're suffering here today and it looks like February, it says February on the calendar, it looks like February in your purse, and it might be Easter before you get a doctor's appointment, the truth of the matter is this, is Easter is just around the corner. And in the midst of all this, there are moments of life. New light that speaks of new life. Because in you, in you, the Spirit of God that caused your new birth by the Holy Spirit, that made you a child of God the Father, beloved of Jesus the Saviour, you, the carrier of the Holy Spirit, in you, through the gift of baptism, dwells the Holy Spirit, who is the deposit of the resurrection life to come. You can't stop this light that is in you. It's sealed in you for the day of your resurrection. It's sealed in you for the day of your new life. And that life lives in you. Now, I want you to say, I'm not denying it's February. You hear me? I'm not saying for one moment, say it's not February. It is February. But I think you've got to speak to February sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to speak to February inside of you and go, yeah, yeah, I, I know you're there, February. But Easter is the truth with which I want to live in. And we can say, February, do you know what? Ho-hum. But Easter is coming. And we will see one day the glory of Jesus transfigured before us. And we will know the wonder of his life. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um